0: From the Cyber Hub Bunker in Studio, you're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO,
1: James Azar.
0: What's up, Christoph?
1: Happy Friday, buddy. Happy Friday. How are you? I am doing good. So, what do you want to talk about today?
0: Uh, I I think the topic says it all, right? Let's talk about this new NIST CSF thing, because... I gotta tell you something man um this dropped the bomb on tuesday and uh and for once i was like less critical of a nist work product than I've been ever before i was happy i was i was like okay this is actually well thought of they've obviously taken a lot of industry feedback they've realized their shortfalls what do you think of nist
1: i really like it i, I think um that the whole govern section that they added to the core of the NIST framework is instrumental because I think before people were just focused on the identify and how that had a small business enablement impact, but not looking at the holistic business enablement impact throughout the life cycle. And I think that governance aspect really just brings that into perspective.
0: Yeah, it's a very operational version. So for everyone watching us on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on X, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Rumble, wherever, um, we're, we're talking, but you can comment. We'll see your comments. We'll answer your questions. Um, this is really us kind of chatting away for the next 30 minutes about this. So questions, comments, feedback. What do you think of NIST? Let us know. I'm really curious because I've seen I, I feel like people are kind of waiting for a more comprehensive approach to come out from someone in order to kind of mimic a talking point <laughs> in a way. And and I don't I don't want I think people should really look at it. The opening document is very, very detailed. It's it's great, it's it gives you everything you need to know. The governance aspect, like you just brought up, Christoph, absolutely amazing. It's the right thing, but above it all, above it all, here's the one thing missed CSF. does over 1.0 and it's really 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 important it becomes operational and i think that's the one thing that was the drag on csf version 1.0 was it seemed to be very non-operational kind of like these are controls you could consider these are things you should consider having however however now, this new 2.0 is extremely operational. If you download the Excel for the CSF, we talk about controls, we talk about business enablement, we look at the entire life cycle of security. And security is a life cycle that I think many people don't quite wrap their heads around. And, and here's what I mean by the life cycle of security. Security is not a aftermarket uh, pre-launch concern, but rather security at the foundation of it is how does my business make money? How does my company leverage that? How do we turn that into what kind of risks do these things that my company does introduce to it? What are the risks that we have that support the business that could hinder the business's ability to make money? And then how do we leverage and manage those risks over time? And this is what NIST csf 2.0 really at the bottom of it all does uh
1: yes I, I, and to add to that i i love in the beginning it was known as that rosetta stone but what they've also done is they've added a intensively comprehensive list of crosswalks to entire other frameworks which I've shared in the links, I've shared the two links for the the Ness CSF uh, program page as r- well as the, the cross-reference crosswalk for it. Because it goes across so many different industries and allows you to generate an export just as you need it. So um, longer the days where you had to manually export everything, now they offer that comprehensive crosswalk tool to also help operationalize it. Because in the past, you you had to manually draw everything up. Now Nest is even providing you with JSON exports for you to be able to export these controls very easily into your programs.
0: One big thing, by the way, is if on page 10 of the kind of CSF release document at the bottom 5.1, talks a lot about improving risk management communication, which I felt like was a great illustration of the different levels of involvement in identifying risk and managing risk within an organization, going from the practitioner level all the way to the executives. And often you'll hear cybersecurity engineers and analysts, and Chris, you and I have done hundreds of podcasts, I think, with newbies and newcomers. And we often say like, no matter what role you're coming in with, or no matter what experience or what responsibility you have, you have a responsibility towards the risk of the business and then effectively communicating it. And this this graph here using the CSF to improve risk management communication, I think should be the hallmark of any CISO presentation to their team going in 2024 and then beyond. The responsibility of practitioners is to identify the risks, look at framework profiles, look at implementations and ways to mitigate it. They then communicate that to the managers. Managers identify, evaluate, look at that specifically, and then we either do a change, we take the risk, we sign off on the risk, we approve a mitigation plan, and then we Budget for it. We we look for what can it be done? Is it a simple control change? Is it a policy update? Is it a new tool? What's coming into the environment? And then that's communicated to the executives as risk identified, process we went through to qualify, mitigate, identify, so forth. And the solution for it. You know, never spend five dollars on a one dollar problem, but you know, you definitely want to spend five dollars on a fifty dollar problem if you can.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think the other, the other aspect of it that's mentioned a little bit earlier on page eight, which is it brings in the, the CSF maturity levels directly into the document, which previously was something that practitioners like yourself and myself, we had to do ourselves. They, they gave you the controls, they gave you the description, But they never said how to really judge the maturity and now they've included how to judge that maturity as part of that document to expand on it so that you could really go in see if it's partially implemented or adaptive to your environment and you're now uh, zooming into that screenshot and i think that's that that's critical for people to take a look at because all too often people think oh, I have a control, and now I get to apply it everywhere. Well, that's not necessarily true. If only one component of your program or one application really has that control, you can't really claim full credit for it. And I think that's one of the aspects that was also missing from um, CSF 1.0.
0: Yeah, it's it's, not only was it missing, but this... Tier number three talks about repeatable, <laughs> meaning, you know, how often are these risks going to be introduced into your environment and how well can you manage them over, over a tiered profile? And I, I get a lot of people look at security and, and and they go, well, we need to defend against the bad guys. We get it. No one here would disagree with that. But we also need to be able to identify the uh smaller risks that go into the business from these things and 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 i think that's one of them uh there's another one on here i believe that um adds uh you know we talked about it right before we started uh recording here and went live you brought up chris privacy and finally there's the privacy conversation here uh in nist because nist 1.0 didn't have privacy anywhere on it in fact you were trying to map privacy to a whole bunch of other frameworks that may or may not mix. I mean, people were kind of, I'll give I'll give everyone, go ahead, Chris. To,
1: to give NEST credit, uh, NEST CSF 1.0 was created before um, a lot of the privacy frameworks like GDPR and CCPA. So um, to, to their credit, it wasn't something that was actively being promoted in the industry, but... I think right now uh, the, the shift has been to include privacy as a business priority as well as a business risk, because not only do you have to worry about the data that you get from your consumers, but you also have to worry about why am I using it, what what was the use case that I brought it in for, and do I still need to keep it?
0: See, I I think there's one thing in this in the NIST CSF 2.0. Um, and, and I'm going to go down a rabbit hole here for just a second. That that's 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 a bit missing in in the privacy cybersecurity risk perspective, and that's new technology adoption, stuff like LLM um, and AI that are now groundbreaking. You know that could have been potentially added to this as an asterisk, like AI and LLM models will require some sort of adoption because the, the one thing about n- this 2.0 and nist in general like the nist csf in general is it was constantly an assembly of things and what i mean by it was an assembly of things it was an assembly of things you would look at nist and go all right it's it does these two things for me great i'm gonna look at the cis top 20 we're gonna map and and you'd have an excel and your Excel would be all these different controls mapped from all these different places trying to come together. And the CSF 2.0 doesn't do that. It actually gives you one singular feat to manage it all. Now, when we go to cybersecurity and privacy, I have a greater concern that I think isn't covered here, and I think that's simply because the way we're adopting LLM in business large language models, for those who don't know, which is part of AI. There's generative AI, there's large language models, and those are very, very different from, you know, kind of an algorithmic type of approach to data analysis and and and, and, and analysis in general because you're able to really go over larger swaths of data and become much, much more accurate. So if you look at it from a GPS perspective, algorithms could have been accurate within 100 feet, Of let's say someone's location llm could be accurate within six inches right so the data becomes much more powerful and historic data that's processed in llm becomes extremely dangerous at that point
1: i would say they they did include it to a certain extent if you go to um page 13 at the top of page 13 of the first uh document that you were sharing yeah
0: earlier. yeah I'm I was there as I was speaking about this this
1: piece yeah. right here it's the it's associated with any privacy events arising from data processing so I think you could uh argue that LLMs are included in here and once you go over to uh the privacy document framework that I shared as well and you go to page four you'll see that these problems from individual data um, at the organizational level starts to be mentioned. And I think um, as you think of the, the, the adverse impact that, as you mentioned, this legacy data has, um, you want to be able to remove references whenever they they negatively impact you. And that's where the concept of the right to be forgotten in GDPR, as well as CCPA comes into effect. And that's, they start to include that adverse discrimination, embarrassment, economic loss, as part of that, uh, impact to the individual and where privacy becomes an important factor here.
0: Yeah. I mean, so, so one thing you're, you're absolutely correct um and and that's a good point of view on on that specifically i kind of felt like they weren't really going into the depths of it but then it's not fair for me to ask them of that because guess what llms are what eight months old
1: Um, uh, yeah i mean they might be a little bit older closer to but 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 the adoption yeah,
0: yeah but but the adoption of it in terms of corporate use of llm is probably eight months old right i wouldn't put it more than than maybe a year and i'm I'm assuming csf 2.0 was done and signed off on nine months ago in order for them to create all the additional documentation in order to release it so this is something that we're adopting very very quickly and because we're adopting quickly they haven't had a chance to react which is fine again no 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 judgment on, on the fact that this is a very comprehensive framework, very different from its predecessor, more complete. And if you look at, you know, it used to be identify, protect, detect, respond, and recover. If if you look at the new NIST CSF, they want us to govern and they want us to protect, and then they want us to use identify, detect, respond, and recover to correspond with govern and protect. And yes. I'll I'll share it, and and this is where you kind of, kind of get there uh um you know there's you you kind of see how they're looking at govern the operational context being the top of it the risk management strategy the roles responsibilities and authorities your policy your oversight and then your supply chain risk management huge but then if you look at identify detect respond and recover they're not different from NIST csf 1.0 at all in fact i've looked at them one by one they're the same exact identifiers, the same exact functions where the where what function did change was protect. Protect went to identify management, they've added more authentication, more access control, they've added data security, platform security, and technology infrastructure resilience. Those were not really there in that terminology in, the, in this CSF 1.0. And I think that is huge because if you're starting to grasp the idea of how industry is evolving it's evolving into govern ciso cso set policy set rules responsibilities set strategy oversight and risk management you've got your supporting teams that do the identified those are not typically your security teams right that's going to be your network your infrastructure your teams that that security leans on to get the asset risk and improvement categories your protect is literally your security team these are your architects your engineers your analysts and so forth your detect is your tools your respond is your third parties and your 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 security operations team and your recover is part of your governance and corporate responsibility
1: document am i wrong here chris no you're not and the one thing i'd also add for everyone to really hone in on is that supply chain risk management we saw with log4j that your your digital supply chain your physical supply chain these are all core aspects of any digital resiliency strategy as well as business resiliency strategy so the fact that they brought in supply chain risk management is a core aspect and I think it's very often overlooked especially by small medium-sized businesses and it can be that thorn in the side that kind of takes them down
0: <laughs> so so the whole cyber human initiative a group that both Chris and I are affiliated with I'm assuming this is Paul yes uh, this is probably this Paul. is this is Paul <laughs> Um, so, so Paul says, why isn't it fair? AI is over a decade old, so a lot of time to smooth things out instead of knee-jerk like the speed of release. Do you want to tackle this first? Pers- sure. I, I, I? I, I, I,
1: I'd say while machine learning and similar techniques are over a decade old, I I think the speed in which they've evolved over the past. Three to four years has increased dramatically, almost like the the, the speed of development for for computer chips. Uh, every eighteen months, or even six months, it, it's been operating really quickly. So, um, yeah, I would say it's it is unfair to 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 judge a, a framework's ability to govern this, but. I think from an overall strategy perspective, it is included in the, the, the privacy and uh, data management aspects of the framework.
0: Yeah. The one thing I'll add to it is the use of AI has evolved significantly in the last year, right? The, the, it, it, yes, you're right, Paul, AI is a, nearly a decade old, over a decade old. but. It was AI by marketing people, not technological AI, meaning it was a, a a more evolved machine learning algorithmic type of approach. It wasn't a real artificial intelligence, real artificial intel- intelligence, generative AI, essentially what makes up the large language models that are being used now in many, many organizations are a year old, not even. And so that's where I think we give them the benefit of the doubt with the speed of release, because there was a look at AI. There were all these theories around it, but it didn't become practical until we met chat GPT. And then I I what's the name of the Google version of it? The one that everyone hates now because it's Uh, just changing history and whatnot. Yeah, that one yeah (laughs) and and so 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 i haven't even used it because i've 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 heard it's so choppy um but but then large language models in business cases are being used very very differently than um than specific old ai artificial machine learning on, on 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 a few extra servers type of deal yeah this is really developing its own logic
1: yeah but but before it was used to detect anomalies to uh, derive statistics to 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 create outputs like that now it's being used to, to generate new content or new combinations of content that weren't previously created before
0: yeah and and avishai um you know, has a, has a great comment here. Don't forget, this is a document developed by a committee, which unfortunately severely limits both content and ability to adapt. I I agree. I would also preface by saying the following. Because it's a committee, they had to have a cutoff date where it said, no matter what happens beyond this point, we've yes. got to get this thing out.
1: Yes. And I think to give credit, though, there is a lot of customization to it. There's the ability that they've given to generate and cross-reference to other frameworks, which previously wasn't provided by NIST before. That had to be done by independent third parties. So now NIST itself, through the committees and everything like that, have created that cross-reference. So in addition to referencing the 800 series, it also now crosswalks more nicely to cis controls uh to iso controls and moreover
0: yeah you're 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 right it's it's again it's it's more operational um as a, as a document and and avisha is right too we have to look at it for what it is it's a document developed by a committee it's a much more diverse and educated committee probably than the first CSF document which didn't have a lot of practitioner input I think you can clearly see how many practitioners impacted this NIST CSF right like I look at it I see nothing but practitioner stuff on there right like call me a fool but, but I see a lot of touches from people like you know, I wasn't part of CSF 2.0. I don't think you were either, Chris, or or a or Paul, or anyone else watching the 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 hundred or so people watching us now. But it, it could have been. I mean, a person here could have been sitting on that committee, could have influenced something. And I think a lot of that were were, were practitioners.
1: I know several practitioners that were part of the workshops for CSF 2.0, and they shared how much it's evolved from when they first went into the workshop to when they, they released it. And it, it was truly a collaboration.
0: Yeah. And this is a great, you know, kind of conversation driver. That's the thing about the CSF, you know, Chris, I want to ask you a question we've got about three and a half, four minutes left and i kind of want to give us both an opportunity to kind of go into a short monologue here. You look at NIST CSF, you're in a room full of people who go, uh, another framework, what would be your, your sales? What would be your elevator pitch of why NIST CSF 2.0 is, is, is practical today for businesses.
1: I I wouldn't say it's another framework. It's, it's the same framework where great evolutions and incorporations from other frameworks. And it, it continues to be that crosswalk, that Rosetta Stone of many other frameworks that NIST has pulled together and created a coherent strategy that both the businesses and government can use to help govern it.
0: Yeah, I, I like that. I think it's, that's a great explanation, Chris. I think I would, I would go one step further here in saying Um, mostly when you're in critical infrastructure the NIST framework becomes the standard framework simply because most governmental agencies that oversee financial services utilities and others will lean on NIST and trust NIST more than potentially a MITRE or a CIS not to say that those are not good or better frameworks it's just simply that's where the DOE or or dhs dod typically lean is they go nest right because that's essentially part of 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 the inner sanctum there um and so this is a much better document than the first one it's much more practical and it's a it's operational meaning if you're a small business if you're a two-person security team in a hundred million dollar company You can now take the NIST CSF and run with it to secure your organization, identify risks, and mature a program, which I don't think you could have said about the original version of the NIST CSF.
1: No, and I I think, uh, as Avish mentioned, uh, it's an improvement of the, the, the former one, and it's definitely had a lot of great changes to it. So I I think that's a a great summary that it's a, it's about continuous improvement and that's something that you should be doing with your own program. You should be looking at at it continuously, revising it continuously and adjusting it to your, the changing needs of your business.
0: 100%. So we're almost at time y'all. This is a 30 minute show where Chris and I kind of do what we do. Um, just avi please avishai wants to be called avi okay avi um we need to have avi on on one of these uh some friday um you know so last week we talked zero trust nist kind of threw a curveball out because we were prepping to talk about one of the first foundational pillars of zero trust today and nist csf kind of came through on tuesday threw us out of the ballpark next week 11 a.m eastern we're going to go back to trust but verify aka zero trust aka marketing term aka how the hell do i use it in my security program we're going to do seven episodes talking about seven different pillars of zero trust really kind of going into detail Uh, if you've got topic stuff we'd love to have people kind of jump on here uh with comments like you've done today or even come on video uh um that'll be great and avi has jokes for those who've never met avi avi's bold so when he says he needs to have a good hair day, he's bold. He's got no hair.
1: Zero hair. It's always a good hair day. It's always with a good that, hair day for him. I think with that, we should wrap it.
0: <laughs> I, I think that's a wrap here, y'all. Thank you so much for uh, all the people from all over uh, that tuned in and watched us this morning. You can connect with Chris at cpf-coaching.com. You can follow me at CyberHub Podcast. .com you can follow us both on LinkedIn our LinkedIn links if you're watching us on YouTube, X, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Rumble our links to both of our personal LinkedIn's are available in the show notes. We really appreciate y'all. Have a great weekend, Chris. As always, buddy. You're 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 the man.
1: See you next Friday.
0: See you next Friday.